Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to hear your word proclaimed. Speak to our hearts so that we can speak your word to the world in Jesus' name. Amen. When our oldest daughter, Rachel, was about six years old, she wanted to play soccer. And so we went to the rec and we signed her up and we waited for that phone call to tell us what her team was going to be and what the practice schedule would be. So we waited and we waited and then when we finally got the call, they said, we've got a problem. The problem is we've got this group of girls, but we don't have a coach for them. Well, my little girl wanted to play soccer and, you know, I played when I was a little kid. So, hey, I'll be the coach. How hard can it be? Turns out, kind of hard. Because, um, first of all, have you ever heard of cats? Um, that's what it's like. Because these little children, first of all, they know nothing about the game. Which was good, because I knew about this much more than they did. And so they would run around, literally just run around the field. Sometimes they would just stop and pick grass or rocks or whatever. Um, because that's what four to six-year-olds tend to do. And, you know, and then you ha- there was the parents that you have to deal with. Because that's the easy part, right? Because the parents, they actually care. And so they got to make sure that the playing time is 100% equal. And that the snacks are just right. Because, you know, you wouldn't want some kid to go into anaphylactic shock on the field. Um, and they don't like it when you tell their child to wake up when they're picking grass in the middle of a game while the other team runs by them and scores. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's kind of difficult. But now this is four, five, and six years old. As they get older, it's even tougher to coach. And then if you happen to be one of those people that are paid to get coached, good gracious. And I know we've got a few here right now. I don't know how they do it. Because not only do you have to deal with all the stuff that I just said, and parents times 10, you also have the added pressure of needing to win. Because for most sports, if you ain't winning, you ain't coaching long, right? Because around here, we expect to see winning teams. And if the team's losing, well, then you need a coach. need a different coach. Got to go in a different direction. So whether it's middle school high school, college, pros, if, all, if everything's broken, you're in trouble because they're going to blame the coach. Because see, one of the, especially in this neck of the woods, one of the most important things a coach does is pick the team. Now, this isn't an easy job because, first of all, most coaches do have a heart. And, you know, how many of you have ever tried out for a sport, a play, a a concert band, anything like that, or even a job? Everybody has. And you wait for that phone call to find out whether you're in or whether you're out. And everybody has gotten both at some point. We've all gotten stuff we wanted and we've all been cut from stuff we didn't, that, that we wanted. And the coach knows this. But there's that pressure they got to win. So who are they going to pick? Not a rhetorical question. Who are they going to pick? The best people possible, right? That's who they're going to put on the field. Dennis, Robert, isn't that who you're going to pick? 
the best people because you want to win. That's the point. I don't care. Oh, the point is to play the game and to have fun. No, the point's to win, all right? In Little League, they didn't keep score. Every parent there was still keeping score. The point is to win. And so you put the best team on the field, on the court, on the ice, whatever, to win the game. I mean, look, how many of you are watching the Olympics right now? I'm not watching a lot of it, but I'm sure we all will because curling is awesome. Um, and, and the thing is, do you think they put those Olympians on there because they have the prettiest smile? Or because they get along with everybody else? Or because, you know, they're the smartest ones? No. They pick the Olympic teams because they're the best athletes at that sport we've got. I mean, that's why there was a dream team, right? Back in 1992, they finally, for the first time, allowed pro players to be in the Olympics. I think this had something to do with the fact that in 1988, the American team got a bronze medal in basketball and Russia got a gold. Couldn't have that again. You know, they beat our amateurs. Now try to beat our pros. And so we bring out the dream team. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Scottie Pippen. The, not only the best players at the time, but these were some of the best players who have ever stepped onto a basketball court. And folks, those games, if you watch them, they were just ugly. The average win was by 44 points. I mean, there were players from the other team that were stopping at timeouts and asking for their autographs. And can you blame them? <laughs> and why did we do that? Because we wanted the best players possible so we could win. Because that's what you do. If you're going to play the game, you play it to win. Period. Which makes you wonder, God being God and everything... Why in the world God doesn't pick a better team? You got Jesus comes onto the scene, and so he is picking his disciples. Now, the purpose of what Jesus is doing here is so all the world knows about God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. So who's he going to pick? I know who I would pick. I'd start with some religious leaders. They already know how to talk to a crowd. They probably have a little bit of theological background. You know, that's a good place to start. Oh, how about some political leaders? They've got a little sway. You know, they've got, they can influence people. And again, public speakers, they got to be good public speakers. And then I'd probably go with some rich people because somebody's got to fund this trip, you know, and who wants to walk everywhere when we can take chariots? I mean, and, and again, they're going to be able to influence people with their money. That's who I would have picked. But who does Jesus pick? Well, let's think. He starts out with fishermen. Now, it's nothing against fishermen, okay? Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm not sure that's like the top of, of the draft list, you know? Maybe fifth or sixth round. But fishermen? And, and so you got that. But, but, I mean, there's a long historic history of this. I mean, God always picked people like that. And we heard from Isaiah today, right? And what does Isaiah say? Uh-uh. I'm a person of unclean lips. In other words, I think I got a potty mouth. You don't want me talking to people. And then you hear about St. Paul. And, and St. Paul says, 
I'm the least of the people that were called because not only was I worse than the apostles that were called, but I persecuted the church. And then you got Moses. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. You have a, just a history of the least of these being called by God to do something special. And here again, in today's gospel reading, we hear about people who aren't that special being called. But I know, I know what it is. Maybe it's because these guys had immense faith, right? I mean, we, we heard in the other Gospels where Jesus walks up and says, follow me, and they just go. Yeah? I mean, that, that took a lot of faith. I, I don't think I would just follow a stranger. But see, in Luke's Gospel, it doesn't say it like that. See? In chapter 4, the one that came before 5, which we read today, Jesus actually spent the night at Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. And then today, Peter's out fishing and Jesus commandeers his boat, which is kind of funny. He just says, hey, that's my boat now. I'm going to take it out. And so Peter goes with him. And then he takes him out to sea. And Peter and Jesus like, drop your nets. And Peter, apparently they're not even that good a fisherman, says, we've been fishing all night. I had caught a thing. And so then they pull it in and they catch all these fish. And at that point is when Peter wants to go. He falls at Jesus' feet and says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. So this isn't a guy that, that was easy to convince either. I mean, first, he knew Jesus because he was at his house. He saw Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He heard Jesus teach and preach. And then it took another miracle for Peter to follow. So what makes him so special? Why him? And then in the next chapter, oh, by the way, Jesus is going to call a tax collector, which is like the bottom of the barrel of anybody you could pick. Nobody liked tax collectors because, you know, first of all, they're tax collectors. But second of all, in that culture, they were actually fleecing their own people for the Roman government. These were the people that Jesus chose. But now, where are we today? We're in church, right? So are the people down the street, down the street, across town, across the world. Sunday, Sundays, everywhere in the world, people gather in churches like this one to praise God. Why? Because the nightmare team that Jesus called caught people. They spread the word. They told people. They, they shared the good news. And now... Millions and millions and millions of people are followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus still calls the bottom of the barrel people. He still calls people like you and me. Because we too fall before the knees of Christ and say, get away. We're sinful. We're not worthy. We're not good enough to be, to be your disciples. We're not the type of folks that ought to be out telling others about you. If they see me, they're going to run away from you. But that's exactly who Jesus calls. God calls people like you and me. God does call you and me to go out and share the good news. To catch people. Because everyone needs to know of God's love. And it doesn't mean that you need to be the smartest, the best looking, the most talented person in the room. 
God picks the people at the end of the list first. People like us. People that aren't holier than thou. People that aren't overly deserving. People that are just normal. And so if 12 guys who are just common folk can share the good news throughout the world, imagine what the world of followers can do. Imagine the lives that we can change. Imagine what the ways that we can impact the world if we just leave our nets and follow. Is that what you're going to do? You're asked to be on the dream team. It's time to play. Amen.